This is the What If I Told You podcast, a show that knows it's a dangerous business going out your front door. Big thanks to Bilbo for those words of wisdom. Yeah. (laughs) Now that I've seen the first movie, I guess I can say things like that now. Yeah, and that's a quote from the first movie. Yeah, perfect. When they're leaving the Shire. I wouldn't know because I couldn't hear a single thing they were saying. The whole time. Yeah. I wonder if it's like, because even movies like that in general, I think at that now, newer ones, I think they are able to balance it a little better. Yeah. But in 2001, I don't think they had the audio and the visual worked out totally. No. But on ones uh, like the DVDs, it's not that bad. Yeah. It. But on the, the ones on HBO, when they're quiet, they're... Silent. Yeah. It was... Yeah. It's... it Obviously, Whitney and I, like, know the words to the entire film, so... Right. It didn't really matter for us, but... It's all right. I, I got the gist. Yeah. Did I hear that quote? Absolutely not. Yeah. But... You know. I can... I can imagine it being said now. <laughs> Please check out our Instagram and follow us. The TikTok is... It's gone. It's... I mean, and we're we're really just at this point. What I am gonna re- avert to doing is to ask them to like release the email so that I can create a new account. Yeah, we're we're not really sure what happened. It just was there one day, and then boom, gone. Then it was gone. Yeah. So you can also email us at what if I told you podcast at gmail.com. Send us suggestions on episodes you want to hear, or just chat with us. Right. And since you can't check out our TikTok, you should absolutely give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And Audible. I think you can rate the show on Audible if you listen to podcasts on Audible. Um, So, yeah, you should do all those things. You can write us a review. Yeah. Some people have been doing that lately. Yeah. (laughs) The, The negative reviews are really funny. Yeah. Especially because they just don't say anything. Right. You know, we've said it before, like, we're down for a negative review, but it'd be real cool if you were more clever about it. Yeah, because with what these two have said so far, it just doesn't even count at this point. Yeah, I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Have a good day. You know, blast us a little better than that. Yeah. It really doesn't matter to us at all. Um but, yeah, if you're going to leave a bad review, at least tell us why you don't like the podcast. Yeah. Are, are we going to take your constructive criticism? Absolutely not. But we would still like to know why. Yeah, you know, just for our own edification, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's not morning. It is early afternoon. Yeah, it's like lunchtime. Yeah. I had a handful of Twizzler bites. And I had, like, three peanut m ms so we're healthy around here. Yeah, I really love peanut M&M's. Also, um, the salted caramel Twix. Never had it. Well, I've got two left, so you can have one. Perfect. Um, they're fucking awesome. I love Twix. I am a huge Twix fan. I think it's kind of a sleeped on. It is. Candy bar, but um, I really love a Twix. And Dakota and I went to the movies on Friday. We saw Maverick. And it was good, despite Tom Cruise being in it. 
<laughs> I've never even seen the original, so. I mean, I feel like it's it's worth a watch, you know. It's not, obviously a lot of people love it, and Dakota was in the Navy, so he kind of like, and I there is a scene in the original Top Gun that they actually filmed on the ship that he was on. Oh, really? Yeah, the That's Enterprise. Cool. So he has that kind of like connection to it. Mm-hmm. And it's an enjoyable film, and I honestly will watch anything with Val Kilmer, to be honest. Yeah. And he's a main character in the old one. Oh, okay. He plays ice. Perfect. Because in apparently Navy fighter pilots all have like a handle. So Val Kilmer, his handle was Iceman. Okay. Tom Cruise's handle is Maverick. And then there's Goose. In the new one, Miles Teller, he plays Rooster. So they all have like fun handles. Okay. And I yeah. think you get, you don't like pick your own handle, I don't think. As you go through a Naval Academy, it's kind of like your peers give you a handle. Is this a nickname? Yeah, but it's because they radio to each other. Gotcha. Because you have like, you're in your jet. And then you have a wingman in that jet who, like, is in formation with you. So you have to radio to each other and you use, like, your handle name. That makes sense. And it's, like, on your plane. It's on your helmet. It's, like, a thing. Very cool. Yeah. I don't I don't know. We have nicknames as well yeah. that we have given to each other. Yeah. So it's kind of the same. Maybe we should get helmets and put, like, Muriel and Phyllis. We probably should get helmets. We do live in Tornado Alley, so we should probably have helmets. Yeah. I feel like everyone needs a helmet that they can rely on. Yeah. I'm pulling up Chip's stuff. Oh, right. I forgot that Chip, you know, did work this week. (laughs) Should we, like, save one of those in case he doesn't have one? Okay. Mm -hmm. Which one is the one we should absolutely tell them today um maybe the sun temperature yeah it seems yeah topical he said the people need to know that the missouri outside temp and the surface of the sun are different (laughs) um i said i said the missouri outside temp and the surface of the sun are the same and he, Chip said, there's literally about a 9,850 degree difference. And Maddie said, that's marginal. <laughs> <laughs> and Chip sent a meme, well, a couple memes that were actually pretty hilarious. And so we'll post some of those. Um, yeah, let's keep the archives one for next. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he answered that one parsec is 3.26 light years. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Anyways, so there's Chip's corner. I mean, basement. Mm. Wow. That was Chip's basement, not corner. I'm sure there's corners in his basement. Yeah. Chip's basement corner. (laughs) Oh, gosh, I have, like, no energy. I do not have anything in me today. I know. I know, me either. I didn't manage to take a shower. Yeah, I did not. I uh, 
I took a shower yesterday right before I came to your house. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I didn't need one this morning. No. I'm also still wearing the same clothes I wore when I left your house yesterday. It makes you feel better. I put on the shirt I was wearing yesterday morning before I changed my shirt yeah. after you got there. Yeah. Fun fact, we when we were <laughs> leaving the Big Biscuit this morning, we, had, we went to Big Biscuit with my dad this morning for my birthday. Uh, it was very good. But as I was leaving, I'm wearing a Lord of the Rings t-shirt, and it says the annual Mordor fun run. And this older man was standing outside as we were walking out. He was, like, waiting for his table or whatever. And as I was walking by him, I just heard him say, Mordor fun run. <laughs> and I turned around, and he was like, I like your shirt. And I was like, <laughs> I assumed that since you knew what it was, that that's he adorable. liked it. Yeah, it was very funny. I love that. But I think he <clears throat> didn't expect me to have heard him. Yeah. <laughs> So, caught ya. Old man. Yeah. Um, you obviously know what we're talking about today already because <coughs> this episode has a title. <laughs> yeah. So. I like how we still try to be a little suspenseful. Yeah, like, I don't know who we think yeah. we are, but. I know. Like, they read the title. They searched for this thing. Yeah. But. As you are probably guessing, listener discretion is strongly advised. Um, Yeah, yeah. It's awful, so. Yep. Just, you know, (coughs) listen if you want. Skip if you'd like. Yeah, you're not going to be able to skip to anything new uh, if you're listening Tuesday, July 26th, but. Yeah, you'll have to go back to an oldie. Yeah. But, obviously, we're covering... I mean, statistically, he has been labeled America's most prolific serial killer. Mm Mm-hmm. Samuel Little. They have... The FBI has officially attributed 60 murders to him, and there are many more in the process of being linked to him. Yeah. So, that's... A lot of people. That is a fuck ton of people. Yeah. Uh, I think at some point in this outline, I put in numbers from other serial killers that are, like, considered to be really prolific, obviously. Yeah. And it breaks down how many people, how many victims are attributed to them to compare with this guy. And it's... It's a lot different. (laughs) The discrepancy there is huge. Yeah, so we're, of course, going to go through, here in a a little bit, we're going to go through, like, confirmed victims. Yeah. So with there being so many, we're we're not going to go through all 60 that have been attributed to him, but I have a list of the ones that he was actually charged for. Right. And But first, we have a list of survivors. Yes. So. First survivor um, is Hilda Nelson. In the early 80s, she was a sex worker in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Is that how you say that? 
I was thinking Piscagala. Piscagala, Mississippi. Oh, oh, seems yeah. right. Um, when she was attacked and raped by Samuel Little. And then there was Layla McLean, and she was also a sex worker in Mississippi in the early 80s and was attacked and raped by Samuel Little around the same time as Hilda. Um, Layla and Hilda both walked multiple miles to the courthouse to testify against him. However, Hilda, who was eight months pregnant, got to the stand um, but became so frightened when she saw him that she wet her pants and then was allowed to leave the stand which is very understandable of course once hilda was released layla also left and walked hilda home and layla would later say that she decided not to testify because she knew no one was going to do anything about it anyways so that is very sad yeah really really sad um Next, we have Lori Barrows, and she survived an attack by Samuel Little in, ni- in San Diego in 1984 when she was 22. She was working as a sex worker on September 27th, and she said that Little pulled up in a car, grabbed her, and threw her inside, and then drove her up a steep gravel road to a field. She said Little threw her into the back seat, tied her hands, and began to strangle her. In the midst of the attack, Barrows said she came to the terrifying realization that his plan was actually to kill her as opposed to have sex with her. She drifted in and out of consciousness multiple times, and when she would come to, Samuel Little would ask her to swallow while he put his thumb on her throat. And he would say, she, this is what she said about it. She said, quote, he says, I like it when you swallow. End quote. That's so Mm off-putting. And when he was through, he thought that Barrows was actually dead, so he tossed her out of the car and drove off. She said she played dead and laid there for 30 minutes without moving because she was terrified he was around and would come back for her. Eventually, she got up and walked to a phone bo- a phone booth and called a friend to come get her. And her friend talked her into filing a police report, and she provided authorities with a very detailed description of Little and his car. And she was able to describe him so accurately that police were actually able to track down his car and tail him. Damn. Which leads us to Tanya Jackson. One month after Lori Barrows was attacked, San Diego police trainee Wayne Spees and his partner were reading Barrows' report while out on patrol, and they decided to stake out the area of the scene where she was dumped. And because of her descriptions, police caught Little in the act of attacking Tanya Jackson in his car on October 25th of 1984. He was obviously taken into custody, 
and DNA was collected and uploaded into the DNA database called CODIS. And when police came upon the attack, Little tried to say that Tanya was his wife and that they were actually having consensual sex. And then he would change his story and say that he had paid Tanya because she was a sex worker. However, Tanya had very obvious and visible injuries that made it clear that whatever happened to her in Little's car was an attack. So Little was then charged with attempted murder, rape, assault with intent to cause great bodily injury, and other charges related to a sexual attack for the attacks on Lori and Tanya. But, and you knew this was coming, there was concern on part uh, on the part of the prosecution that the testimony of Lori and Tanya wouldn't be credible because they were both sex workers, even though the police actually witnessed the attack on Tanya. Oh my God. So, but... Lori and Tanya testified anyway, but the trial resulted in a hung jury, and instead of pursuing a new trial, the state decided to let Little plead to lesser charges in exchange for a four-year sentence, of which he served just two years, and he was released in 1987 on good behavior. Uh... He spent two years in prison for attacking, raping, and attempting to murder two women. And one of them was witnessed by police. Yeah. That'll teach him. That makes sense. Yeah. He's not a danger or threat to anyone, so. No, no. Um, And it should be noted that in 2014, when Samuel Little stood trial for the murders that would put him away... These four women all appeared to testify against him. Hell yeah. So. This is the part where we talk a little bit about the confirmed victims. Samuel Little has confessed to murdering 93 women. 93. Uh, That's a lot. That's so many. Um, The FBI has essentially confirmed his involvement in at least 60 murders. We're obviously not able to talk about all the victims because we would be here all day long. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a list of victims, mainly the victims that he was convicted of murdering, that we're going to discuss a little. Many of them have either remained unidentified or have never been found. So this is obviously incredibly difficult for the families out there who have no idea what has happened to their loved ones and may never know. Yeah. Because with numbers like that. Yeah, exactly. There's so many that are unidentified and, uh, the FBI is still actively like looking to identify these people. Um, here is a list. I'm going to list the name, the date they were murdered the date of Little's conviction for that murder and then where the murder occurred. First is Annie Lee Stewart, murdered October 11th, 1981. Little was convicted August 23rd, 2019. This occurred in Cincinnati, Ohio. Mary Jo Payton, 
Date of murder, July 3rd, 1984. Conviction, August 23rd, 2019. Location of this murder was Cleveland, Ohio. Next is Carol Elford, murdered July 13th, 1987. Little was convicted September 25th, 2014. This happened in Los Angeles, California. The next two are also Los Angeles, California, where these murders occurred. Guadalupe Apodaca, murdered September 3rd, 1987, and he was convicted September 25th, 2014. Audrey Nelson Everett, murdered August 14th, 1989, and convicted September 25th, 2014. Uh, there's Rose Evans, murdered October 24th, 1991. This happened in Cleveland, Ohio, and he was convicted August 23rd, 2019. Then Denise Christie Brothers murdered February 2nd, 1994 in Odessa, Texas, and he was convicted December 13th, 2018. And then there are multiple Jane Doe's that occurred across multiple states from the years of 1980 to 1999, um, and he was convicted August 23rd, 2019. So, yeah. He got around. He, yeah, that was a part of, because there's not really much as far as, like, investigation right. into this. Because he, he went by other names sometimes, too. And he never had an actual residence. Yeah. He was just nomadic and homeless a lot of the time so he just traveled from state to state killing women yeah and then leaving that that is a hard thing to first of all for him to remember yeah and also for authorities to even really investigate and confirm yeah it's very difficult because police departments even from city to city in the same state don't communicate that well yeah so different police departments from state to state across the entire country absolutely not they're they're not communicating that well no so but that's why he wasn't caught until freaking 2013 or 14 yeah that's a long ass time that is a long time to be out here murdering yeah, it is. <clears throat> uh, do you want to just take turns on these? Yeah. Okay, you can do the blurb and then the first one. Okay, so now we have four victims that police have not been able to match with any of the Jane Doe's in the Doe Network or with any unidentified remains. We may not know the names of these women, but we're still going to talk about them. So we have one that they refer to as Mary Ann from Miami, Florida, and they believe that she died in 1971 or 72. Little confessed to strangling an 18 or 19-year-old transgendered woman, a black transgendered woman, in 71 or 72 and leaving her body in the Everglades near Highway 27. He remembered her name to be either Mary Ann, like 
Marianne, M-A-R-I-A-N-N-E, or Mary Ann. Yeah, first middle. First middle. Um, he said she was between 5'6 and 5'7 and weighed about 140 pounds. He does not believe her body was ever found, but he sketched this victim during one of his confessions in 2019, which he, I believe he drew a sketch for almost all 93 victims that he confessed to. I don't like that. Did you look at some of his sketches? I've seen them, yeah. <clears throat> um, I don't feel like we want to post those. No. Feels strange, but we'll have a link to the FBI's page for Samuel Little, and the FBI's page shows a lot of the sketches. So if you feel like you want to look at these sketches, please go to the FBI's website. Yeah. Because we're not going to post them. No. Next, we have um, who they refer to as Ruth from Little Rock, Arkansas, who was murdered in either 1992 or 94. Little confessed to strangling a 24-year-old black female in 92 or 94. She was between 5'5 and 5'7, weighed about 200 pounds, and he recalled he stayed with her for about three days as they shoplifted together. And that her name may have been Ruth. He was arrested for shoplifting from Kroger by the Little Rock police on April 20th, 1994. And Little said that after killing her, he placed her body on a pile of branches near a cornfield. And he also sketched this victim um, in 2019. Okay, so this next one is from Covington, Kentucky in 1984 and there's no name attributed to this victim but little confessed to to strangling a 25 year old white female outside of a strip club in 1984 he remembered she had short blonde hair blue eyes and a sort of hippie appearance she was five six or five seven weighed about between 130 and 170 pounds it's very different things Mm -hmm. He drove the woman south on I-75 towards Miami, Florida, before driving into a hilly area near the highway. He killed her in the backseat of his car and left her body on the top of a small hill. Again, he sketched this victim in 2019. Next is a victim, again, without a name. That was from Las Vegas, Nevada. And he confessed to strangling a thin black female around 40 years old in 1993. And she was about 5'5 and weighed 110, 120 pounds. He recalled that she may have worn a wig over short black hair. And after killing her in a hotel room, he drove her body to the outskirts of Las Vegas and rolled her body down a steep slope And he says that he does not believe her body was ever found. And again, he sketched her also in 2019. Yep. So that's, those are the victims that we're going to talk about specifically. Yeah. But I guess now we're going to talk about Samuel Little himself. We're going to profile him a bit, which honestly, this is the shortest per 
profile we've ever done. Yeah. Usually there short. there's a lot, especially in the childhood. Yeah, usually it's usually their childhoods are kind of like fucked up, so there's yeah. like a lot to say. At least a page. At least. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is a paragraph. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Um okay. So the childhood of Samuel Little. He was born on June 7th, 1940 in Reynolds, Georgia. Uh, to a mother he claimed was a prostitute. Her mom, the name of his mom is not ever given. Uh, soon after his birth, his family moved to Lorraine, Ohio, and he was brought up mainly by his grandmother. He attended Hawthorne Junior High School, where he had problems with discipline and achievement. Uh, by his own account, he began having sexual fantasies about strangling women as young as being a child, uh, starting with when he saw his kindergarten teacher touch her neck. As a teenager, he collected true crime magazines that depicted women being choked. In 1956, he would have been 16. He was convicted of breaking and entering into a property in Omaha, Nebraska, and was held in an institution for juvenile offenders, presumably until he was uh, no longer a minor. Minor, yeah. yeah. Sometimes they'll keep them until 21. Oof. So, sometimes it's 18, sometimes it's 21. I don't know. But, yeah, so he clearly was having these proclivities very early in on in his age. That is very early. And it's very weird that it started when he saw his kindergarten teacher just, like, touch her neck. That Ugh. makes me feel so weird. Yeah, it does. A yeah. Ki- a little five-year-old kid? Stop. Oh, my God. I have that's... a five-year-old kid. Stop Oh, my it. God. You do have a five-year-old kid. <laughs> that's so weird. It's so weird to think that he was already thinking about, like, strangling people. He picked something and went with it. He held on to that one interest for his entire life. That's so fucked up. It's really, really disturbing. Um, so this next part isn't, like, creepy at all. Uh, In the late 1960s, he moved to Florida to live with his mom, and he was working at various times as a cemetery worker and an ambulance attendant. I wonder what an ambulance attendant is. Are you cleaning the ambulance? Because he... Maybe, like, having it ready for, like, when EMTs need to take it? Yeah. Like, restocking it, things like that. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. Me too. That sounds like, I mean, what else are you going to do? Right. Making sure it has gas. Yeah. That seems right. Seems, that seems right. He said he then began traveling more widely and had more run-ins with the law. He was arrested in eight states for crimes that included driving under the influence, fraud, shoplifting, solicitation, armed robbery, aggravated assault, and rape. Of course. He claimed that he took up boxing during his time in prison, um, referring to himself as a former prize fighter. So he also has 
a tendency to wildly exaggerate things. Yes. You can't call yourself a prize fighter if you've never fought in a fight for a prize. Yeah, prison boxing is just simply nope. not the same. Not the same. No. Okay. His first crimes. In 1961, Little was sentenced to three years in prison for breaking into a furniture store in Lorain, Ohio. He was released in 1964. By 1975, he had been arrested 26 times in 11 states for crimes including theft, assault, attempted rape, fraud, and attacks on government officials. Jesus. So, I mean, here's the thing. He's been out here getting charges for assault and rape. Yeah, and he's only 21. Repeatedly getting these charges. Now, I, at this point in time, rape was not taken seriously, which makes me want to first throw up and then also go riot in the streets. Right. But, I mean, how on earth... By the time he was 35, I'm sorry, not 21, he had already been arrested 26 times. Was there no one, like, thinking, "Mm, this guy might be a menace to society? Yeah, we might want to hold him longer in prison. Yeah. Because he's also not just the stealing. I don't necessarily care that much about stealing, to be honest. He's doing everything. But... He's out here assaulting people. These, yeah. There are crimes against people here. Not cool, Sam. Listen. Please quit. Please. I... I just can't. Um, in 1982, Samuel Little was arrested in... What did we say this was? Piscagala? Yeah. He was arrested in Piscagala, Mississippi, and charged with the murder of 22-year-old Melinda Rose LaPree, who had gone missing in September of 82. A grand jury declined to indict him for the murder. However, while under investigation, Little was extradited to Florida and tried for the murder of 26-year-old Patricia Ann Mount whose body was found in September of 1982. Prosecution witnesses identified Little in court as a person who spent time with Patricia on the night before her disappearance. However, due to mistrust of witness testimonies, Little was acquitted in January of 84. Cool. This guy, there were multiple opportunities For this guy to be imprisoned and to put a hard stop to his killing spree. Yeah. And he just... Two two murder charges? And he just skirts both? What's going on? I don't have any words, honestly. This is the most... This is the silliest, most ridiculous thing ever. So... Then, after he narrowly escapes prison for murder, Samuel Little decides to move to California, where he stayed in 
the San Diego area. Now, of course, in October of 1984 is when he was arrested for kidnapping, beating, strangling 22-year-old Lori Barrows, who did, thank God, survive, and then was found one month later by police attacking Tanya Jackson in the same location as the attempted murder of Lori. Uh, As we've stated, Little served two and a half years in prison for both crimes and was released in February of 1987, after which he immediately moved to L.A. and committed at least ten additional murders, which we know that it was vastly more than that. This is wild to me. (laughs) It's so wild. So, as we started off going into detail about the survivors and the known victims, um, we're going to go over his MO and his signatures and his victim type now. Which, even reading through, like, you can kind of, like, get a clear picture of Mm -hmm. his typical... Yeah. You know? Because all of the ones that we, like, already read the descriptions for, all of them were between, like, 5'5 and 5'7. Yeah. They were younger. Yeah. But not teenagers. And it didn't seem like he had a preference for a specific race, because he... There were some victims who were white, some victims who were black. There was a transgendered woman. Mm -hmm. So it didn't seem like he was specific in that sense. Really, the only thing that, like, is patterny to me is, like, their stature, really. Yes, their stature. It's, I would assume that he picked victims who were easy to overpower. Yeah. Because that size of a person... He, I think he was a fairly large man, mm-hmm. someone who's 5'5", five, 5'7", five, five, and maximum 170 pounds. He could have easily overpowered them. Yeah, absolutely. So. So we talked a little bit about how he actually drew, like, detailed portraits of a lot of his victims when he was doing all of the confessing in 2018, <laughs> 2019. Yeah. Which, like we said earlier, we're not going to post those because that seems very weird. So check out the FBI's website in our show notes in our little description. Now, all of the women that Little attacked were beaten and strangled. And their bodies were dumped in an alley, a dumpster, or a garage, according to the FBI. And it was Little's M.O. throughout his... 35-year killing spree. Yeah. I mean, I think the Golden State Killer's killing spree ranged that long as well. Because he was caught right around the same time as this guy. I mean, Little was caught in 14, and I think GSK was caught in 16. You know how we always talk about how there's really not that many serial killers out there anymore? Mm-hmm. But what if they just haven't been caught yet? That's true. Like, there could... These serial killers could be 70 years old now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't trust any old men now. Same. Absolutely Same. not. 
You know, like the old men that hang out at, like, McDonald's in the morning? Yeah. What are they really up to? I'm side-eyeing these guys. Are they recharging for their next murder? Yeah. Because you know, you know who goes to McDonald's on a weekday morning? Moms. Yeah. And children. And children. All right. We figured it out. Everyone... Stop going to McDonald's. Go through the drive-thru and keep your doors locked. Yeah, that little group of old men you see sitting in the lobby in the corner at 6.30 a.m. on a Tuesday? Yeah. Not to be trusted. Steer clear, people. Yeah. This is your warning. They look like they're talking about farm equipment, but they're not. They are not. They're talking about your skin. Okay, so back to uh, Samuel Little, now that we have briefed you on who to avoid. This is the plan. This is the plan, you guys. Yep. Um, He obviously chose his victims because they were marginalized and vulnerable, often prostitutes or women addicted to drugs. And their bodies, if they were found, typically went unidentified and their murders were not carefully investigated. Yeah, which we also saw in the Green River Killer, Gary Ridgeway. Yeah. He also targeted sex workers. And what's weird is Gary Ridgeway's mom was a sex worker. Mm-hmm. I think. There was something in his childhood that gave him a real weird obsession and hatred of sex workers so it's always something it's always something these guys and samuel little has stated that his mom was a sex worker Mm -hmm. and then both of them went on to kill large amounts of people (laughs) mainly all of them were sex workers yeah weird yeah So his method of killing, strangulation, um, didn't always leave reliable signs for local police to determine whether the woman's death was a homicide. And the FBI said he usually stunned or knocked them out before strangling them. This would obviously mean that there were no signs of struggle left. Which I think is kind of a weird thing to say because... In our survivors, I don't think that anything about Hilda Nelson or uh, Layla McLean, I didn't see anything about them having a lot of visible injury after the attack. But Lori Barrows and Tanya Jackson both had significant injuries to their faces. Yeah. Not just like the bruising from the attempted strangulation, but he would like punch them in the face to attempt but he also didn't want them fully knocked out because Lori Barrow said when she came to he wanted to feel her swallow mm-hmm. so the it seems like the FBI is kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth here a little bit yeah. are they trying to cover up for the police not really feeling it to be necessary to investigate these crimes when they would find these bodies could be because just judging off of our survivors, he probably beat them up 
And if you find a dead body that is beaten up and strangled, you know? Yeah. But I do think also a lot of them were heavily decomposed, and at that point you're not going to see injury. Right. Especially, like, bruising. Exactly. I don't know. Maybe both things are happening. Yeah. Hmm. Who knows? Who knows? The lack of signs of a struggle led police investigating the murders to assume that these were instances of overdoses or something like that. And as most of Little's victims were sex workers, police were not necessarily driven to think any further about the potential of homicide. Which is such a dumb sentence to say out loud, but... Yeah. I mean, we've we've talked about this. Yeah. Obviously, so many serial killers in this time period targeted runaways and sex workers. For this reason, I'm 100% sure. Yeah. And it's really disgusting. And I think the police who were working at this time, I hope you feel bad. Yeah. I because, hope you do too. You know what? It doesn't really matter what this person was doing when they were alive. They were murdered. Yeah. And you're paid to investigate that. Our tax dollars are paying you to solve murders. Yeah. So get out there and solve them. (laughs) Or at least try. (laughs) Do your best. Yeah. Don't just be like, oh, well, she was a sex worker. Guess it was drugs. Bye. Yeah. Cool. Whatever. Get your buzz cut back out there and investigate. Okay. Now we're going to talk about Samuel Little's arrest, charges, trial, conviction. So Little was arrested on September 5th, 2012. He was found at a homeless shelter in Louisville, Kentucky, and then extradited to California. Now, he was extradited to California because of a drug charge. Which I feel like was really just a ruse to get him to California. Mm -hmm. Because after the arrest, authorities used DNA testing to establish that Little was involved in the murders of Carol Elford from July of 87, Guadalupe Apodaca from September of 87, and Audrey Nelson Everett from August of 89. All three in Los Angeles. And they were found, like, in the alleys of L.A. So he was extradited to L.A. on the drug charge. And when he arrived is when they charged him with the three murders on January 7th of 2013. A few months later, police said that Little was being investigated for involvement in three dozen murders committed in the 80s, which until then, had been undisclosed. And in connection with the new circumstances in Mississippi, the LaPree murder case was reopened. So this is the one that the grand jury refused to indict on. Right. So since he was never actually indicted or charged and tried, they were able to rebring these charges. Good. So... So, Little was tried for the murders of Elford, 
Nelson and Apodaca in September of 2014. The prosecution presented the DNA evidence as well as testimony of witnesses who were attacked by the accused at different times throughout his career. Those are our survivors that we talked about at the beginning. Uh, Hilda, Layla, Lori, and Tanya. On September 25th of 2014, Little was found guilty and sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. On the day of the verdict, Little continued to insist that he was innocent. Cool. And before his death, he was serving a, his sentence at the California State Prison in L.A. County. Um, yeah, spoiler alert, he's dead. Yeah, he died. Because he was old as shit. He was really fucking old. 80. He was 80. Yeah. He was 80. Yeah. So. Um, so. He drew pictures of his victims. We all know that. Mm. Um, at least one of these portraits solved a cold case in Akron, Ohio. And all of these portraits were released by the FBI in hopes of someone identifying one of these women. Yes. Smart move, I guess. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously I perused the FBI's website and looked at these drawings. And they're... They, Really, if you knew someone and then saw that one of these drawings, you would know yeah. who it is intended to be. Yeah. So after his conviction, he kind of dropped the I'm innocent act and actually began confessing to his murders all across the U.S. He confessed to the 1996 murder of Melissa Thomas in 2018. In November of 2018, he was charged with the 1994 murder of Denise Brothers in Texas. He pled guilty and was given another life sentence. We're just stacking them up. Yeah. In November of 2018, the Ector County, Texas District Attorney and Wise County, Texas Sheriff's Office announced that Little had confessed to dozens of murders and may have committed more than 90 across 14 states between 1970 and 2005. On November 15, 2018, the Russell County, Alabama District Attorney announced that Little had earlier that month confessed to the 1979 murder of 23-year-old Brenda Alexander, whose body was found in Phoenix City, Alabama. On November 16, 2018, a Macon, Georgia sheriff's announced that Little had credibly confessed to the 1977 strangling murder of an unidentified woman and the 1982 strangling murder of an 18-year-old of 18-year-old Fredonia Smith. In the fall of 2018, Little confessed to the 1982 murder of 55-year-old Dorothy Richards and the 1996 murder of 40-year-old Daisy McGuire. Both of their bodies were found in Huma, Louisiana. On November 27, 2018, the FBI announced that a violent criminal apprehension program team had confirmed 34 of his confection confessions. confessions and was working to match the remainder of his confessions to known murders or suspicious deaths. 
So he began making the confessions in exchange for a transfer out of the L.A. County prison in which he was being held. Which I don't think they ever did. No. One included his confession to a previous cold case homicide in Prince George's County, Maryland. Previously, one of the only two homicide cases in that county with identified victims. On May 31st, 2019, how do you say this? I think it's Cuyahoga. Cuyahoga County, Ohio prosecutors announced indictments with four counts of aggravated murder and six counts of kidnapping that accuse Little of killing Mary Jo Payton in 84 and Rose Evans in 91 in Cleveland. Both of these victims were strangled and dumped. The body of Rose Evans, who was 32, was found on August 24, 1991, in a vacant lot on East 39th Street. She left her hometown of... Binghampton. Yeah, for some reason my brain... Like, I could read it, but my brain was not computing with my mouth. Binghampton, New York, where she was 17... She had been strangled, according to Coroner Elizabeth K. Balraj. As for Peyton, an anthropologist had to create a model of what she looked like, but she remained unidentified until 1992, when Cleveland put her thumbprint in an FBI database and got a match. Little had picked her up at a bar near East 105th in... Euclid. Euclid Avenues, and he described her as a short, plump woman in her 20s with brown hair. That's a lot of information. Yeah. Yep. He be out here confessing. Yeah, he was like, you know what, fuck it. I mean, yeah. What's the point? What's the point? Yeah, just starts telling people. Yeah. Um, And his death. He had a long-term girlfriend named Jean, who has since passed away. Jean. Jean. What a fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, She supported both of them for years through shoplifting. Um, He used a wheelchair and had diabetes and a heart condition. He died on December December 30th, 2020, in L.A. County Area Hospital, although California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation sources indicate no cause of death. He suffered from diabetes, heart problems, and other health conditions, so it's likely that the culmination of those things came into play. Although this is 2020, so there's COVID in the mix as well. I know a lot of prisons across the country had, like, COVID outbreaks and stuff, so... Oh, yeah. Could have been COVID and a myriad of other things. So he just... He died. Um, There is a docuseries that you can watch called Confronting a Serial Killer, and it is... It was created by Jillian Lauren. There are a few streaming services you can find this on. Amazon is always a lock, Mm -hmm. obviously. Granted, you will likely have to pay for it, but... It's worth it, I would say. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I have not seen it either, but a lot of the information I've pulled is from articles written about her doc. Yeah. And um, I think Lori Barrows specifically, and maybe even Tanya Jackson, both feature 
in the documentary pretty heavily. Oh, cool. So a lot of the information about the survivors are from information from Jilly and Lauren. Um, so definitely give that a watch. I'll probably still watch it at this point, you know. Well, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. That's really the, the story. Yeah, I mean, of course it's horrible and gross, but, like, it's really, like... There's not, there's not much of, like, a story story. It's just, like, these yeah. are the facts. Yeah, it's not, um... It's not, like, a like an Ed Gein situation. It, yeah, it's not super linear, and there's not a clear narrative, because he, he was so erratic in mm-hmm. his life, and so many of his victims are... St- we're still working to identify and yeah. And all you can really do is talk about who they were and what yeah. he got convicted of. That's really all you, all we can say about it because they're just, you know, it's not, you know, like the toolbox killers when we did that, there was like a clear beginning when they met, right. they go through and there's like a timeline. This does not have a timeline at all. Yeah. There's no like, there's no filler story, really. Yeah. It's just like, this is what he did. Yeah. For, yeah. You would think that this would be longer and have more shit. Nope. Yeah. So, yeah. But, as we've stated, that the FBI is hoping to eventually get justice for all the victims. If you have information linked to any of these confessions or... You want to visit the FBI's website and have a look at the sketches and one jogs your memory, you can actually call the FBI's hotline at 1-800-C-A-L-L-F-B-I or you can submit a tip online at tips.fbi.gov. So, you know, people still need to be identified, so go give it a look. Um, you never know. You never know. I mean, tips come in all the time. Maybe there's a family out there and their daughter's been missing for 30 years. Yeah. And they stumble across the sketches and they're like, oh my God, that's my daughter. Yeah. That happens. Well, and a lot of people wouldn't really know to look or think about looking, you know. Yeah. Unless they're hearing it and told you should look here. Right. You know? Because a lot of people might, like, look up missing person databases or something. Right. But this isn't really information that's going to be on any of those places. Yeah. So. You never know. You never know. That could be it. Please, please go have a look. That's... That's the end. That's the end. And uh, we obviously need to thank our musician, Ariel, and our artist, Laura. Uh, Yeah. They're great. They are the queens who were promised. Obviously. Uh, Please subscribe to the show, obviously. Mm -hmm. And share the show. Of course. Rate us five stars and write us a clever review. The subject matter is up to you, but please be clever about it. Uh, Also, our socials, 
obviously, you know, you know what those are. Yeah, the ones that we have at least. Right. Instagram. Yeah, just follow us there. Just follow us there. That's enough. And check out our merch. Oh, yeah, we have merch. I forgot that. I forgot to say it. Yeah. We have merch. Our Shopify account is linked on our Instagram, so you will see the information yeah. for it on Instagram. There's and a lot of cool shit. Our Shopify link is also at the top of our show notes. Oh. Yeah. So go buy some stuff. We need to buy new mics. Yeah. Come so, on. Please. Can you please do that? We're trying to just like break even on the cost that we are required to pay just to run the show. Yeah, so I'm going to need every single one of you to buy a fucking beanie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can buy a beanie or a mug or a t-shirt or a hoodie. Let's see what else. There's some socks. I think there's a tote bag. Mm-hmm. A phone case. A phone case. I've not bought any of our merch. <laughs> Me either. We will, though. Uh, we Once will. you guys do. Yeah. I mean, Chip bought some merch, which he should, like, take a picture of himself. You using his mug yes so if any of you feel inclined and would love to support us and go buy our merch it would make us incredibly happy yeah and we want to see you in it so yeah dm us or email us a picture of you with your merch and we will post it yeah with your permission with your permission obviously this is a disclaimer yeah that we will ask permission <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. So, um, I hope you have an excellent week. We are coming to the end of July and embarking on August. Hopefully, the temperature of the earth will decrease significantly because this is, this is too much. This is ridiculous. It's very aggressive. We are moving. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no more talk happening about it. It's just simply going to happen. Has to. Has to. I can't live like this anymore. No. It's bad for our mental and physical health. Yeah. Yeah, it is. My poor April. She can't even catch food in her mouth anymore. And it's it's the heat, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, while you're out there sweating your tits off... Just, you know, please still be kind to each other. And stay weird. Okay, bye.